Thank you for tuning in today to American Riviera Bank Regional Pulse. This is Laurel Sykes, Chief Compliance and Risk Officer with the bank. And I'm here today with Paul Abramson, our Chief Technology Officer, and Asebio Cordova, our Chief Credit Officer, to talk about the bank's recent success in providing paycheck protection loans uh, from the SBA. Um, last time we met, we met with Paul on, on the use of technology and how we were using that to enable a remote work strategy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about how we're using technology to to facilitate uh, providing these loans to customers. And we've been hugely successful, um, over 570 paycheck protection loans, totaling more than $114 million in support of almost 12,000 jobs in our local communities. Um, so I thought we'd start today with a little bit of background on the Paycheck Protection Program for those of you that may not be familiar with it. Um, you may remember that the president signed into law on March 27, 2020, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, otherwise known as the CARES Act. Um, and one of the provisions of the CARES Act was a temporary revision of the small business loan administered by the SBA, uh, known as the Small Business Administration, under Section 7A of the Small Business Act. Um, you might have heard of them called uh, SBA 7A loans, uh, which are different than the 504 loans, which are real estate secured. So what the CARES Act did is it expanded the scope of businesses that are eligible for these 7A loans, and it modified maximum loan amounts and permitted use of loan proceeds uh, under this quote-unquote paycheck protection program. Um, so there are loans that are made between February 15, 2020 and June 30, 2020, uh, and they're origin originated directly by banks, but are 100% guaranteed by the SBA. Now, as a preferred SBA lender with an existing expertise, American Riviera Bank was among other lenders who had to come up with a program to assist our clients in applying for these PPP loans uh, once the SBA released their program guidance. Now, final interim guidance didn't come for us until the evening of Thursday, April the 2nd, which meant we spent all of the very next day, April 3rd, configuring our online portal to accept applications from our customers. These loans were available to 501c3 nonprofits, sole props, businesses, and dependent contractors, and the maximum loan amount was the lesser of $10 million, or two and a half times their average monthly payroll costs. Now, what's different about these PPP loans than your standard 7A SBA product is there are no personal guarantees required uh, by the individuals that own the business. That said, we did have to collect information on all the beneficial owners with 20% or more ownership but they were not required to put up any sort of collateral. As I previously mentioned, it was 100% secured by the SBA, um, and there's a guaranteed deferment of the loan payments for the at least the first six months. Now, the best part about this program is that there is an option for forgiveness of the full loan amount if you spend it on uh, eligible purposes. Typically, they're, they're looking for you to spend it on payroll. And if you spend less than 75% of the loan on payroll, then you're going to start to see the forgiveness uh, go down in amount. Um, forgiveness is not automatic. Uh, the loan term is two years on anything that is not forgiven at the end of the program. And it, it's fully amortized at a rate of 1%. So now that we've got a little background on the program, I'm gonna chat for a minute with Asebio about, about the process and about how it compares to our current uh, lending pipeline and, and what the bank does on a normal basis. So Asebio, tell us a little bit more about how this sort of loan volume, these, these 570 loans, compare to what we usually do as a bank. So this type of loan volume is a lot more than we normally do in any given year. 
I believe it's over two times the amount of loan volume that we do in a year, and that's over a 30-day period. So we are definitely trying to put processes in place to make it more efficient, to make sure we fund all these within the SBA guide, guidelines of 10 days. So for those of us that aren't lenders, um, can you describe to us kind of the, the life cycle of a loan uh, from application to underwriting to what you call funding? So a normal type of loan would take anywhere from four to six weeks, depending on the loan type. And this is really taking two to three days. And from a funding perspective, because we have that 10 day window, it's just an expedited pro process all, all along the way. Great. So the way it works is we, we take the application online um, and it gets assigned to somebody that's going to quote unquote underwrite these loans. Now, banks were not required to do formal underwriting of the loans aside from uh, validating some of their, their payroll information. Um, so we would assign it to an underwriter and then when that person was done, they would queue it up to your department for a final approval, correct? Correct. Great, and then what happened after it, it leaves your office? So after we approve it, the loan goes to a, another department or another area that is doing a callback on the loan to gather some information in order to go to loan documentation. And then uh, when, when it reaches loan documentation, loan documents are drawn. And then what are the next steps to get the money in the hands of the client? So after the loan documents are drawn, we assign it to a loan officer to reach out to the clients. We're doing virtual signings with every client. We're talking, we're calling them on the phone. We're instructing them what to do. And then they're returning us the loan documents by email, as well as dropping them off at the office. So a few years ago, the bank implemented an online origination platform to help streamline our commercial lending products. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how we leveraged that platform to do this program? So we implemented uh, SageWorks, which was helping us do underwriting and automate you know, various processes so that we can expedite loan fundings. And we were able to utilize the same software, which allowed us to implement everything very quickly and be ready to go as soon as the program opened. Now, one of the things that I think's um, interesting about how this all worked is a, a lot of banks maybe took a different approach where they took the SBA's uh, sample application form, which was a two-page document, um, and then maybe they converted it so that it was able to be docu-signed and they accepted those on their website. Uh, we took a little different approach because of our, um, our software solution and were able to do this all online with the customers to allow them really to self-serve their loan product. Um, I think one of the things that, that was really interesting about this too is because they were able to, to operate in this online environment, we could easily assign that loan on down the pipeline to various members of the bank to make sure that we got them through very quickly um, because as we all know, that first tranche of money, that, that first appropriation did run out a lot quicker than, than um, I think everybody had intended. Um, so it was really important that we be at the front of the lines uh, to get that money and to get those SBA approvals before the money ran out. A uh, little more background on, on this system. When, when Sebio says that it was quickly configured, as I mentioned, the guidance came out on, on Thursday night and we were ready to launch by 10 p.m. on the next Friday night. And, you know, we didn't quite know what to expect. We knew there was a significant amount of demand for these loans. Um, and we had about two weeks prior to the, the program launch been providing communication to our customers electronically and on our website to make sure that they were ready when we were. And about 10 p.m. on Friday night, we sent out the final communication, letting our customers know, here's the link to the online portal. You can go on and apply. 
and within two minutes we had our first application and then another and then another and 20 minutes later i think we were over a hundred applications already in process uh, we just didn't anticipate that kind of volume um, and it's interesting because we spent the better part of that entire weekend just just fielding calls taking applications helping people through the process um, and and doing some extra work to make sure that clients knew how to reach us um, we set up a new email distribution group and specific phone lines to be able to handle the extraordinary volume of calls that we were receiving over the weekend. And then the, the members of the executive team actually manned those phones for the first two days um, because we didn't know what to expect. And we wanted to be able to talk to our customers and make sure that they were taken care of. Um, we, were we were able to use email and other communications to keep clients updated on the status of their approvals. Um, our IT department issued laptops throughout the bank for people that were going to be supporting the initiative. And really, it was an all-hands-on-deck uh, kind of approach. So, Paul, talk to me a little bit about how the bank it was able to ensure that communications were delivered to our customers. Sure. So, <clears throat> as you mentioned, we set up a separate distribution list, and we also leveraged our um, email marketing platform to send out regular communications. Now... The communications came all different steps along the way. I think that very first day, uh, we, we did an extra round of communication to people that had kind of um, expressed interest all along in the program and, and sent specific emails to them, specific emails to people that maybe hadn't completed their application. Um, because what we found out during all of this is it was really imperative that we had all the data that we needed in order to get that SBA approval or it would kick back errors and we wouldn't get the SBA approval that we needed. But the government platform is really finicky with how it accepts the application data for sure. Yeah. And then on April 27th, um, when the second appropriation of funds came out, the SBA site ended up being down intermittently almost all day long. How were you able to successfully get our applications through to the SBA? Uh, it was persistence. So as Sebio mentioned, we used uh, SageWorks as the platform and they uh, built a bulk export feature um, like maybe a day or so before uh, the 27th and so we were just repeatedly submitting the the bulk export tool throughout the day and it seemed like even though the the government website was down for normal users the api interface between sageworks and their system was still working somewhat I mean, we did have some timeouts and other issues that came up when we were attempting to use it but we just kept at it and um, a few would go at a time and throughout the day we i think we were able to get through about 140. That's great. Um, one of the other things that was interesting is the, the thought that a lot of banks were doing manual entry directly into the SBA system. So the fact that they couldn't get in all day on, on Monday made it really challenging for the community banks in particular, especially because there was the um, availability of a single bulk export by the large lenders to be able to send in applications. Originally, they allowed up to 15,000 applications for these large lenders, and it really just shut the community banks out of the system. So um, being the, the IT guy here, what do you think banks that didn't have this online sort of functionality and integration with, with the SBA system, how were they able to compete with the large lenders? It would have been really challenging. Um, as I mentioned, the, the portal that the government operates was down for most of the day. So if you weren't using a tool that integrated with their backend system, um, you probably didn't have much luck. And if you did, it was at a much lower volume. 
And one of the other things that we heard throughout the, the industry was that it was very challenging for banks to get their hands on credentials for the SBA system, otherwise known as eTran. Um, you were one of the ones in the bank with, with eTran credentials for us and were able to see the back end and how that system actually operated. Um, and I think probably one of the, the, the things that helped us out most, most of all is we were able to get all the data input by the customer, by the loan officer, um, by the, the back-end support group, so that when we were submitting to the SBA, it was really truly just about complete. But what were some of the common data errors that you remember seeing um, in the loans that weren't accepted by the SBA? Well, as we mentioned, they adapted the 7A process. And so the back-end system, I think, was expecting to see quite a bit of data that wasn't actually required for PPP. And so it would throw random errors about missing fields that maybe we, uh, you know, so the demographic information was a good example. Um, they require demographic information for the regular 7A loans. I don't know that it was necessarily required for PPP, um, but in order to get the application through, we had to ask it and provide it or the system wouldn't accept the application. Um, some of the other ones were like credit score. Uh, this loan product didn't require a credit score, but the system, um, was kind of expecting it for a while. So there were there were definitely adjustments on the fly that were made and um, SageWorks is a really good partner. They're really agile and um, they were able to turn around um, some pretty significant development changes really quickly. And I think that's probably why we were so successful in the first appropriation of funds as well, because we were already collecting the data um, beyond just the two-page application that the SBA had put out because we were leveraging a 7A platform. Um, so things like credit score, we, we were um, obtaining authorization to run credit on all the, on all the beneficial owners. So when that credit score was required in the eTrans system, we had it, whereas a lot of lenders maybe didn't, and they had to, to jump around and then, then go pull credit. So it, I think it really helped us out. Um, one of the other things that I think we saw, um, as I mentioned, there was a lot of final interim guidance that was issued by the SBA. Uh, and it seemed to be that we needed to pivot on a dime overnight uh, to collect the new data. Things like, you know, the, the application form asked if you were going to spend it on a payroll or you're going to spend it on rent or utilities. And they were radio buttons. Um, but then you got into the e-trans system and it wanted to know the specific dollar amounts or percentages of the loan that were going to be spent on each of those factors. And that was not contemplated um, by the SBA's original application. Fortunately, the, the platform we were using asked for that up front, so it just wasn't, it wasn't an issue for us and it was something that was easy to collect. Um, but we did watch overnight as the changes would come out. Um, our, our, our vendor provider was working on the fly to kind of incorporate these new changes. Um, there's, there's other things that were, I think, well, well discussed in the media about uh, the SBA, particularly this, this last week during this second appropriation of funds. Um, and they, they had some requirements under this new appropriation that they had to reserve a certain amount of dollars for small community banks. And I think it was by Wednesday um, or maybe it was Tuesday where the community bank fund was almost completely depleted. Um, so they implemented some interesting things to make sure that the community banks had access to the funds. Uh, one of the things they did here was... Um, you know, for, for us, it was 1 p.m. in the afternoon, but there was a specific window from 1 to 9 p.m. where only banks of a billion or less in assets could submit loans to the SBA. 
Uh, talk to us a little bit about some of the other methods the SBA used to kind of slow the growth uh, in loan applications from the larger banks. Well, they, they prohibited the use of um, robotic process automation tools, which um, for those of you that are unfamiliar, it's, it's basically like a, a application that you run on your workstation that you can make mimic human behavior. So you, you script out keystrokes, you script out mouse clicks, and then it can replay and, and populate data out of a, a spreadsheet or a database. And so um, that really increased the volume on the system. And I think that's what contributed to the site getting overwhelmed and, and brought down. So they stopped allowing those tools from, from operating. I'm not exactly sure how technically they did that um, because our, our integration through SageWorks is the traditional um, API method, which was still allowed by the SBA. So we didn't have any issues with that. Um, and then I think they, they put in like a, another sort of rate limiting, um, the pacing, measure. The exactly pacing, pacing. Uh -huh. that's what they called it. Um, again, I, I don't really know how that looked because we didn't, we didn't interact with it that way, but, mm -hmm. um, those were the two that I was aware of. And I think that was what was really frustrating to the larger institutions is they did pace the loans that could come in from each individual lender so that no one lender um, could do too many in a given hour. Um, and I was talking to, to other local bankers um, where maybe it was a maximum of four approvals in an hour, depending on the manual entry and the access to the system and how they could actually get through. But in addition to that, I think I remember uh, reading a, a CNN story where Bank of America had only gotten through about 150,000 of their applications by day two or three, um, even though they had twice as many as that queued up and ready to go because of this pacing mechanism that the SBA put in place. So Asebio, as a community bank, we obviously pride ourselves in being responsive to customer needs and, and having that personal touch. You had mentioned virtual closings um, what are some of the other types of personal touches that were put in place to make sure that this wasn't just a technology-based solution? So as you mentioned, Laurel, in the beginning, you know, we implemented the what we called the CARES line, uh, where a lot of the executive or all of the executives were on the line to answer questions from customers. We, did, we were on that line for at least a week, and we were answering phone calls at 6 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock at night. It really didn't matter when someone called. You know, these people, it was very important for these businesses to actually get funding in order for them to keep their business going. And we understood that. And so having a live person answer a phone call rather than leaving a message and returning a call was very important to us because we knew how important the PPP loan were for the business. So that was that was ground one. Right? That, was, that was the very beginning. And, and then with technology and support, right, we, with the implementation of the SageWorks system, we can actually see where people were in the process of applying. So if somebody called with a technological question about, um, I'm stuck, I can't fill something out, we can actually update immediately, see where they are, help them through that process. And I, I know there was times that I was on the phone with someone for 15 or 20 minutes, just making sure that they hit submit. And then they were comfortable that we saw it and we could actually move their application forward. And I think that was huge. That's great. Um, I know one of the other things that, that came up that no matter how much we had um, built into the, the online loan portal, there were still additional questions required by the eTrans system that weren't captured by our application. Things like Paul mentioned, like the demographic information, um, whether or not they had a prior SBA loan, um, had they applied for a PPP elsewhere. 
Um, so talk to us a little bit about the, the next round of support where we had employees actually calling customers for that last little, little bit over the hill. Yeah, you know, with with the changes to our branch offices and, and we were able to deploy uh, employees to different areas. And so we were able to take employees that would normally be on a teller line or employees like our HR director who would be in a back office, not normally interacting with people um, or customers. Uh, we were able to take them and use them to make those phone calls. And it was great. We, we heard some great stories. Our HR director has a lot of kudos uh, because people remembered her accent. Yes. And it was really great to hear that everyone kind of pitched in throughout the bank in order to get these applications through. From all levels of the organization, huh? Uh, the next thing that became a challenge was was documenting the loans. Um, again, as I mentioned, the SBA was really slow to issue uh, guidance, including what we were supposed to do with our loan documents. Um, so some of the larger banks were just going out with the risk of having the loan documents not be totally up to par with what the SBA was re requiring. Um, but as a smaller community bank, that's just not a risk we are, we are able to stomach. Um, so we did wait till the guidance came out. We got loan documents put together. Um, but one of the things we were really cautious of was making sure that the right people signed those loan documents and that they were really truly authorized to do so. So talk to us a little bit about our, our Dialing for Docs group. Before we dialed for docs, you know, kudos to our CEO who the night before we released the loan documents worked with our legal counsel to get those docs together. And, you know, I can't say that a lot of CEOs would have done that. And Saturday morning, our first kind of funding, uh, they were ready to go and everyone blessed them. And he definitely took time to do that. The, uh, the dialing for docs, uh, we put together a team to call all the customers and obtain legal documentation. So when we are funding some of these loans, we need to make sure that the right people are signing the right documents. And we had that group of team individually calling businesses in order to obtain the right documentation for loan docs. That's great. Um, I think one of the other things that was really um, valuable with the online system is, as you mentioned, people could could log in and see where their clients were at any step of the process. Um, but it became a challenge because obviously not everybody in the bank had credentials to our online system. But we were able to do a lot of reporting out of the tool and nightly put out lists of all the clients that had received SBA approval so that when they called into our call center, uh, they could let them know that, yes, you've been approved by the SBA and you're moving forward to the next round. And I think I think all of that really helped um, keep people in touch with what was going on with their loan, to manage expectations, and to really make sure we had our very best chance at getting SBA approval. And as you mentioned, the funding of these loans, the SBA guidance requires that we fund it within 10 days of getting that SBA approval. Um, so talk to us a little bit about your weekend warriors. Uh, we, we talked last time about the, the remote strategy that we have, this team A and R and B, and we were challenged because people were working from all different uh, teams of the bank, um, and we, don't, we try not to cross-contaminate our A team and our B team. And talk to me a little bit about how you handled the weekend warriors. Yeah, we, you know, our employees are amazing. Um, we could not be in a better place because of them. Uh, everyone decided that they were going to pitch in, and we had, you know, an A team in one building, a B team in the other building, and from collecting documentation to funding documents or to funding loans and generating loan documents, every team was there. I, we couldn't be more proud of our employees. Definitely hardworking. And when we say around the clock, there were moments where 
one of us would be logging off at one in the morning and the other would be logging back on at 3.30 because of the East Coast time difference. It just, it, it was just something that, that we had to do, but everybody was, was, was able and ready and willing um, to do that. And I think it was um, really impressive. And um, I, I, again, I look at the number of jobs that we were able to support through these programs. I think the, the best part now is, is hearing the stories coming in from the clients about what they're able to do with the funding. Um, I remember I was talking to one gentleman on the phone and he got a little choked up when I told him he'd been approved. And he started telling me that his 16-year-old son was going to be able to eat because of the loan that we, we'd done for him uh, in, the, in the following week. And it, it just, those kinds of stories really help um, make the long hours so worthwhile. Hearing clients that are gonna be able to rehire back people that maybe they had had to let go just the week before. Uh, any, any good stories that you wanna share? Uh, there, was, there was so many, Laurel. It was great to hear a lot of those. Um, we have a lot of, we do, we do business with a lot of local restaurants. And a lot of those restaurants are, are very slow. They're trying to do takeout just to you make ends meet. And now with these loans, they'll be able to hire their employees. And although they're not t- serving anyone at the table, you know they at least can bring those employees and, and put dollars into their pockets. That's great. And Paul, you had mentioned kind of an unanticipated uh, consequence of our of our fast delivery of SBA decisions um, because you were seeing clients get aired out because they already had a PPP loan. Yeah, that was a funny story. So we heard um, a couple of times we, we would attempt to submit a loan to the SBA and we get an error back saying that they can only have one PPP loan. Uh, but it turns out the customer had applied with another bank and just never heard back from that other bank. So we were actually the bank that told them that they got their loan <laughs> and not the bank that actually funded the loan. So hey, pro- provide full service support here. I mean, I, that must have happened at least 10 times where clients had already applied elsewhere. Um, and we weren't one of those that would automatically tell them no if we knew they'd applied elsewhere. If we thought we could get them through quicker, we would go ahead and do it because the money was running out. Um, I think just kind of to wrap up here, we're still waiting for guidance on this idea of forgiveness. And we know that 75% of the loan has to be sent spent on specific payroll expenses. Um, and then the other portion can be spent on other eligible expenses like rent, or utilities or mortgage interest, but it's a very specific purpose for these loans. Um, If they are not spent on the right purposes and the records aren't properly kept by the customer, then the loan is not forgiven and it's a a two-year term, as I mentioned, at a 1% rate. So our goal all along has been to really give our clients the very best chance they have at these loans being fully forgiven by educating them all along the way um, through our website, through guides that we put out. Our online application actually had a ton of guidance about what qualifies, how to calculate maximum loan amounts, um, and it really was intended to help self-serve so that people had enough information about how the program actually worked. Um, so last question for both of you. Um, the biggest concern that we're hearing from clients now are how do I ensure that my loan is forgiven? I don't want to carry a balance. Um, what do you see, Paul, being the challenge from a technology perspective and or risk management um, in, in achieving that and getting through all of those loans and forgiveness? Well, I think we, we heard today that the IRS is going to be involved. So um, I think that that best, best practices for other IRS audits is just to keep all your documentation. So anything that you can do, um, whether it's separate bank account or um, other tools to make sure that all of those expenses are, are attributed in the right place so that you can supply that 
um, supporting documentation if, if you need to, I think is a good idea. And I think one of the things that you always preach to us is the importance of, of maintaining security over that type of data. Um, and you know, what would your advice be to folks that just want to email all of those records into their banker versus using an online portal? Well, I would say that we're not alone in, in the fact that we have a, a secure email platform that customers can utilize. Um, so if you don't know about it, ask us and we'll be happy to show you how to send documents and um, emails securely to us. And, and of course, you definitely don't want to um, send that just a, as a normal email. I think one of the other things that people need to be aware of is if your email ever were to be compromised, anything that you've sent and have not eliminated from your system is just sitting there in your sent files. So be aware. Um, it always always makes me nervous when, when I hear a CPA is emailing our tax returns to our personal email address and then following up two minutes later with the passcode to the same email address. It kind of defeats the purpose if someone's sitting resident in there. Yeah, that's um, one of actually the the biggest benefits of the secure email platform is that it's not permanent storage. So it's in that system and it'll, it'll be retained there for about 30 days and then it's gone. So, um, to your point, if you send it from your normal email account, it's there forever unless you, you delete it and empty the trash. Great. So Sabio, what do you see as the biggest challenge, um, in terms of, of looking at the eligible expenses based on different business types and how maybe they maintain, different records or have different tax returns to support their payroll expense. Yeah, records are going to be key, right? It, and whatever that, it, however you maintain those, a lot of these, because it's payroll, it's going to be your payroll service. Um, so make sure that you're talking to your payroll service, make sure that when you submit for forgiveness, you're, you're actually getting pay stubs or a pay record from them directly. Uh, that's going to be the most important. A lot of these submitted expenses to us or submitted payroll records to us in the beginning when they applied for the loan. So giving us similar type of records as those submitted will likely be the best way for forgiveness. And then probably copies of canceled checks for lease payments and things like that. Um, I think I think one of the other things to think about is there are other requirements that the SBA puts out on these loans. You cannot declare bankruptcy to get it and get a PPP. Um, you you have to be current on on child support. There's other things that may come into play um, at the end of all this. They they want to know are you subject to any kind of litigation, um, bankruptcy, or any or any or any of the like. Um, so it'll be interesting, and and it's going to be really important that that customers work with their trusted advisors to really figure out what's going to be required uh, once the guidance finally comes out. Uh, we didn't talk about this yet, but the way it's going to work is. Um, they, they are to track their expenses for eight weeks following that initial funding. Um, and that is the portion that's going to get analyzed and determined um, as far as forgiveness goes. Anything else either of you want to add before we adjourn today? No. Nope. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for your time and thanks for listening. Thank you.